0: The last few weeks, or actually last week, we started our new series, The Insanity Loop. And as Pastor Eric mentioned to you, the insanity and the definition that uh, is common nowadays uh, that we know is the um, continuing to do the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And we know that in our lives, in all areas. But we're challenging ourselves over the next few weeks here in March. That it's also that way in our spiritual life. If we've wondered why we aren't growing close to Christ, why we aren't becoming more Christ-like, if we're wondering what's going on, that that we aren't becoming more mature in our faith, maybe it's because we've been doing the same things. And maybe it's time to move on. I also wonder, too, for some, it's more scarier than that. It's not just I'm doing the same things, but I'm doing really not a whole lot. I've done very little to invest in my spiritual growth. I've done very little to invest in my relationship with my Savior. And unfortunately, sometimes the, uh, the American church has done little to challenge our people to do that. In fact, Kenneth Boa, who wrote the book Conformed in His Image, says this. The bulk of Christian churches and denominations pitch their message so low that even if their members practiced the spiritual regimens they propose, it is unlikely that they would be distinguishably different from their neighbors. I read that and I say, ouch, ouch in our desire, in our passion to get people saved, to say, oh, just come and, and, and receive Christ and, and, and everything's going to be all right and you don't have to do much. It's not a big deal, but it is a big deal. And when we start investing in our Christian walk, when we start investing in our relationship with God, there is a regimen, there's a discipline, there's practices that draw us close to Christ. And so what, what I think Haboa is saying is we churches and we as people need to step up our game and And as we come into these series of messages in March, I think that's the message that we have for us is that it's time maybe to step up our game a little bit. It's time to take new steps. But the question is for some people is how do we do it? How do we do it? Well, through the millennia, the centuries, there have been time-honored biblical disciplines Sometimes they're now called practices that Christians draw on to enhance, to strengthen their Christian faith, to draw them closer to Christ. You know, we just don't stumble into holiness. There's no shortcut. There's no shortcut to spiritual maturity. We're always looking for shortcuts and hoping things just happen, you know? There, I, in my physical life, that was, that was hammered to me in, a, I, in this past six months or so, that, that things just don't happen the way we want them to happen at times. I, I, last October, I had made a visit to my endocrinologist, and, and as, if those were type 2, you know, you go every three months and get all your blood work done, and they check everything. I've been doing that for years and years and years, and, and those numbers keep creeping up. You know, the bad numbers keep creeping up. And... Because in my mind was a definition of insanity, I thought if I kept doing the same things, <laughs> that maybe that number would start coming down. Now, why I thought that, who would have ever thought that? In October, we met and she took the numbers and she reads them. She goes, well, I think it's time. And I go, time for what? She goes, I think it's time for insulin. And I said, hmm, tell you what. I said, give me three months. And she says, what are you going to do in three months? I says, well, I'm going to change. I'm going I'm to change my life. I'm going I'm to eat better. She goes, well, how do you eat? And I go, well, my wife cooks pretty well, but then I kind of add to that, you know what I mean? Um, And exercise, how about exercise? Well, you know, I'm thinking about joining the church softball team, which I thought about the year before, and I thought about the year before, and you know, and I'm thinking about, hey, I got a basketball gym out here. You know, I could, before I come, before I get ready for work, I could, you know, I come in early, I could shoot a few baskets, run up and down and get my heart rate up. And I'm thinking about that. But it's always been thinking about, kind of like we do with our spiritual life at times, right? But there are certain things in my life I had to do to eliminate, and there's certain things I needed to add. And that's kind of like we are in our Christian life. Now, thank, thank the Lord. Uh, be doing, between doing all those things, numbers came way down. And, uh, and actually, instead of going to insulin, I got my medication lowered, decreased. She took away some pills. So I'm thrilled about that. And, but that, that's what happens when we, when we seriously consider the things we need to add to our life and the things we need to take out of our lives. And it's just as important in our, in our spiritual life as it is in our physical life. And so Pastor Eric started last week with something we need to add. And it was that first spiritual practice. It was the practice of Prayer. That's an obvious one. In fact, when someone comes to the Lord, when they become a Christian, what's the first thing we say? You got to read your Bible. When we'll get to that and down the road here in a few soon, but you also need to pray. These are these are time honored practices. They're practices that we read in the Scripture, the practices we read in the Old Testament, the New Testament. They're how people grow closer to Christ. It's it's a practice they do. But as Pastor Egg mentioned last week, it's not prayers and just going to God and saying, gimme, 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 it's a relationship. It's, it's, it's taking time to, to nurture and to grow our relationship with our Father through communication. And if you were in our, our, our group on Wednesday night where we discussed the message, we talked about some of the challenges we have to our prayer life. And it's our lives get so full, our lives get so busy, our our priorities get so upside down that it's so easy to scrimp and it's so easy to pass and it's so easy to go light on our prayer life. And so I think we need, before we go into any more of these things we do, we need to stop and we need to look at this next group of practices that we are calling poverty. Poverty. Huh. I don't know about you, but poverty is something I've spent my whole life trying to avoid. <laughs> That's why I work. That's why you work. That's why we, 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 we go and, and do the things we do because we want to avoid poverty. Who really wants to be poor? And I gotta admit, it even seems at the total other end of the spectrum of what pastor Eric shared with us is our key verse leading into these scriptures that comes from John 10:10 10, 10. a thief comes to steal kill and destroy <coughs> excuse me but i came that they might have life and have it abundantly isn't abundance just the opposite of poor abundance is a fullness more, exceeding. And yet, we're asking us to consider poverty as a spiritual practice. But it's interesting, Jesus, who said, I've come to give you life and to give you abundantly, is also the same one who said in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Do you remember the rest of that verse? For they, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Could it be, could it be that the key to abundance is through poverty? The key to abundance is through poverty. The key to having more of God in our life and his blessings is through giving up. You know, this poverty, as we've termed it that, but there's a lot of other terms that you might think of. You might think of abstinence. You might think of fasting. You might think of simplicity. Anything that we give up, so that we can receive more. That's what this practice of poverty does for us. What can I give up so that I can receive? Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Throughout the scriptures, and especially in that passage, that that poor is someone who, who crouches and cowers, and begs. It's the position of our hearts and our bodies that, Lord, I can't, I can't do anything about this. I am totally dependent on you. I cannot fulfill this need. And I come to you, and I beg, I beg. And that's what Jesus is saying. Blessed are those who come to me, poor, who have, who have said, I can't handle this. I'm powerless to enrich myself. Only you can do it. And so he calls us to become poor. 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 Does that ring in your head? Because the question that comes up to me is why would I want to be poor? Right? <laughs> what? You got to convince me to give up something. If I've got it, you got to convince me why I should voluntarily, voluntarily release that from my clutches. Why? It's a good question. Why would I take something that's maybe even good for me? Something maybe that even I need. And I might say, no, I'm going to do without it. Even though it might fulfill a normal desire. Why would I go without that? Why? Why? So to help us understand it, I think we can look back at the scripture that Diane read for us this morning. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. And he's, he's kind of answering a question of why, why we might give up. He starts off in verse 24 with this. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Here, Paul is introducing in this middle of this conversation about, about his service as an apostle and, and all that he's done and his desire to win other people to Christ. Paul is introducing a metaphor to the, to the people there in Corinth that they would be very familiar with. The Bible's like that. The Bible teaches us and talks to us in ways we understand and the ways that people like in that day understood. They understood all about running in races. In fact, not far from them, just across the water would have been in Greece, in Athens, Greece, every four years, the Olympics. People trained for the Olympics, and it was a big deal to be an Olympic participant, an Olympic champion, just like it is today. But even more than that, every two years was the Isthmus Games, which is right there at Corinth. Probably the second most popular sporting event of that time. And so they knew all about running, and they knew about running in such a way to get the prize. You know, I know a little bit about this, not an expert, but I did spend a lot of my high school years running. In fact, I ran the half mile and the two mile and cross country. And, and you might think there's no strategy in running. You just run, right? Run as fast as you can, as hard as you can. Well, if you do that in a long distance, you're going to be uh, tired out real quick. And so the longer you run, the more strategy. And you run with a goal. You run with a purpose. You run to win the prize. And sometimes, I always remember that, that question is, comes in, in your strategy. When do I kick it in? When do you my the home stretch? When do, you, when do you do the kick? Because if you know, if you start the to kick too early, And you start running as hard as you can, as fast as you can to to get in the position to win, but you did it too early and then all of a sudden you run out of gas. That last 50 yards, you see runners start to pass you. That's not a good feeling. Because you're in worse shape at the end than you were before the kick because you're tired. You're tired. About the only worst feeling for me was those race or two, I can remember of crossing the finish line because I started my kick too late. And I cross and I says, I still feel good. I could run another half mile or quarter mile or 200 200 yards. And everybody else around me is gasping for air. So I could have done better. I could have done better. And Paul was saying, keep your eye, keep your mind on the prize. There's only one other time that that word prize or prize is used in the scripture. And it's when Paul wrote to the Philippians, and he says a very similar thing. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. And then he defines the prize, to which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says, there's a a prize out there that that I'm searching for. There's a prize I'm pushing for. There's a prize that I hope for. And everything I do must be with that prize in mind. And so when we're growing spiritually, when we are coming, to, when we are coming and considering our, our spiritual life, our relationship with Christ, we are, we are beginning with that end in mind, with that prize in mind. And what are we doing to do it? And he goes on then in verse 25. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Yeah. Then he says this, therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly, I do not fight like a boxer beating to the air. He's, Paul is saying, I'm, I strategize, I, I plan because this is an important, important race that I'm in. To win others to Christ, to make sure that I myself obtain the prize is important. There's nothing more important than that. I do it with purpose. I do it with self-control. I train I train. The, the athlete goes into strict training. Don't waste our energy shadowboxing and running aimlessly here and there. No. We strategize and we plan. And he says because it's an all-important goal. It's not like, it's a metaphor. It's not like the goals that these athletes are after. He says those, those are going to fade away. They're not going to last forever. That crown would be a laurel wreath crown. And within days or a week, that crown would start to wither like our trophies and things do. I brought with me today something that I've been hanging on to for 43 years. There's the bottom. (laughs) There's the top. (laughs) And there's another piece here and there's a little thing that tells you what it is. You know, talk about trophies and not lasting. The things that we give so much effort in this life for. The things that we spend our time on when we could be spending another time to earn some of the things that really end up or should have ended up <laughs> in a landfill. This is a trophy. Um, you could, if you look at it, it's starting to fade. It's discolored. It's dirty. It's dusty. It's um, got a couple feet on it. It's got this nice little guy here that fell off or broke off. Um, I thought it was solid silver, but uh, as, I, as, it's, as it's rubbed off, I see the plastic man underneath. Plastic, oh man, if I'd have known that back then. And then there's this. It says, West Branch High School, 1976. Yeah, that old. <laughs> Most valuable cross-country Ste Steer. And uh, I look at it thinking, why do I still have this? (laughs) What am I going to do with it? Or maybe a better question is, what are my kids going to do with it when I'm gone? (laughs) I was thinking of maybe taking this part of it and going to Washington, D.C. and kind of, when no one's looking, put it to stick it on the Washington Monument. So someone comes back, what's this? Oh, Steve (laughs) Steer. Oh, well. There's probably some law against that, I suppose, right? But the things we do... For the things that don't last. The things we hang on to when it really doesn't matter at all in the end. Paul says this, he goes on, No, I strike a blow to my body. I make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul's saying, I up my game. I up my game. You see, growing in Christ, our Christian walk is not a spectator sport. It's not something that we can sit in the pews or or just once a week engage in. Paul is saying here, I actively train. I actively, and he uses this this metaphor of, of striking a blow to my body, of making it a slave to me. He says, I am going to train and I'm going to do what I need to do to draw closer to Christ. I am going to do what I need to do to make sure I do not miss the prize. Consider what's at stake. The next chapter, John chapter 10, or or, excuse me, um, 1 Corinthians 9, 10, he says this, take heed lest you fall. Take heed lest you fall. You better be training. You better be doing what needs to be done. In 1 Timothy, he's talking to young Timothy, and he says this, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself. Theologians and scholars and pastors who have studied these spiritual practices over the years understand that we need to train. We need to to take as seriously as we would if we were training for an Olympic event our spiritual condition, our relationship with God. Take it that seriously. And to do that, they've they've looked at all these spiritual practices, all these these spiritual disciplines, and they've put them into basically two categories. The first category is, is practices of engagement, and the next one are practices of abstinence. Last week, Pastor Eric led you into into understanding one of the practices of engagement. Prayer is a practice of engagement. It's something we take on. It's something we do because we want to grow. And a lot of what we talk about in the next few weeks will be practices of engagement, things that we're going to do to grow. Practices of engagement are intended to build the right kinds of attitudes and habits in our lives. But today, this poverty that we want to talk about is, is really a practice of abstinence. Practices of abstinence are designed to help remove the destructful and, un- and unhelpful things from our lives by stopping something, by waiting, by removing or eliminating. Some of these practices of abstinence, we think of we think of the various things that we could do without a practice of abstinence might be solitude that's the practice of abstaining from other people <laughs> getting away from other folks who maybe are are for one reason or another distracting us from the prize our relationship with christ an abstinence of silence sometimes it's the radio or the talking or the interactions and sometimes we just need to get quiet before the lord right and we abstain and we practice silence. You might know fasting. Fasting is mentioned over 40 times in the Old Testament. Uh, over 20 times in the New Testament we see, you know, all, all kind of characters that, uh, that, that fast for all kind of reasons. And that's food fasting usually. Usually we pick up food, and not because we're dieting, not because we're trying to get more healthy, but because there's something about going without, something about giving up, something about becoming poor in spirit that is accompanied by being poor in our, our, our abstinence, our sacrifice, that we can then take that time and draw close to the Lord. And we really think about it, don't we, at this time of the year, right? Lent during the Lenten season, it's a period of self-restraint. It's a period of abstinence from something that can be good. Maybe it's something we should abstain from. But it's something that we say, I am gonna practice abstinence. I'm gonna practice removing something from my life so that I may focus on my brokenness, so I may focus on my sin, so I may focus on my relationship with Christ. And so during this time, we give up so that we can receive. We get abundance. We get the power of God, the presence of God. We we enhance our prayer life. We enhance our scripture reading, our time in, 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 in solitude, our time in reading the Bible, our time in all these other activities that we do through giving up, through abstinence. Dallas Willard considered one of the leading um, figures in these practices, spiritual practices. In his book, The Spirit of the Discipline, says this, abstinence makes way for engagement. A proper abstinence actually breaks the hold of an improper engagement so that the soul can be properly engaged in and by God. You see, the, the purpose of the spiritual practices are always for spiritual benefits. And so no matter what it is we're giving up, if we're giving up our, our uh, sacrificing some time with other people or sacrificing some food or some habit or something else that is causing us to draw away from God, the, the abstinence makes a way for engagement. We become, we get engagement through poverty. Engagement through abstinence. Engagement through fasting. So that we can be engaged in and by God. We want to be like Christ, don't we? Isn't that the goal is to be like Christ? And we want to come close to him. Kenneth Boa says this though, we have bought into the illusion that we can be like Christ without imitating his spirituality. We have bought into the illusion that we can be like Christ, but I don't need to do the things that Christ showed as an example. Jesus fasted. We had that message about four weeks ago, five weeks ago. Jesus prayed. Jesus gave. And we we see Jesus' life. We see his dependence on the Father. We see his dependence on the Spirit. We see him drawing out in solitude at times. We see him in quiet and silence at times. And yet we think we can become like Christ and not do those things. When we become like Christ, we make room for God. And Author Jan Johnson, in her book Abundant Simplicity, she says this, disciplines of engagement are like breathing in and disciplines of abstinence are like breathing out. We need to exhale as well as inhale. Abstinence is exhaling, it's letting go, it's letting out so that we can take more in. Have you ever been to the doctor and they say, in, you know, take a deep breath? You take a deep breath and you hold it, you hold it, you hold it, and you hold it, and you hold it, and eventually when they, when they finally say, let it out. Because there's so much that needs to come out. And many of us have in our lives so much, not necessarily bad, but so much that is crowding out our relationship with God. So much is crowding out our prayer time. So much that is crowding out that Paul says, no, sometimes we gotta treat our bodies pretty tough. Sometimes, sometimes we gotta treat our, our relationship with God serious enough that we are willing to give up. That we're willing to, 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 to take into to bondage those things that that are being difficult, challenging in our Christian life. We need to exhale at times. Exhale and inhale. The inhale, God fills us. God uses us. David, Moses, Elijah, Daniel. Could go on and on and on over 40 times as I mentioned in the Old Testament. Even the people of Nineveh. Once they, once they turned from their sin, it says they fasted. In the New Testament, we see Paul fasting and we see the church leaders, when an important decision needs to be made, where do we send somebody? They fast. Not because they said well, the food's gonna be a problem here, but that time that they would have been eating, that time that would have been spent on serving ourselves and meeting our own needs, is now time spent in communion with God and seeking God and looking after him. Jesus, of course, fasted. And for Jesus, you know, he doesn't give any rules. He doesn't say you got to do it. In fact, in the scriptures in Matthew 6, 16, he says this. He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their rewards in full. But he says, when you fast, just like the way he says, when you give and and when you serve and when you pray, it's just expected. And then we don't have a rule book here saying, well, you do it here in this time and, you know, seven times a day and fast once a week. Those rules aren't in here. But Jesus just says, this is part of a daily functioning of a Christian, a normal functioning of a Christian. So what is fasting? That's the cool thing about it. There's no rules. <laughs> you can't find a rule book. You just... Commune with the Lord and say, God, first of all, what is it I need to fast? And then how should I do it? During Lent is a great time. It's a great time to start. Try something. I know we're a couple days late, but hey, you can start now and and now through Easter. And you can fast something that you you want, need to. Maybe it's it's an intermittent fast. Maybe it's once a week. I'm going to fast every Monday between now and now. I'm going to fast from food. I'm going to fast from social media. I'm going to fast what I'm doing. I'm going to fast from sports talk radio. Every day, not just Mondays, okay? Every day. So someone's going to have to keep me up to date on what's happening. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, what it is you're going to fast from. It can be occasional fasts, It can be partial fasts. I can't fast all food now. It's, my blood within two hours will go nuts, but there's certain things I can fast from. And and while I'm doing that, I remember that I'm giving this up, not because I want to be healthy, but because I have a Lord who wants to meet all my needs. And I don't need that. I need him. I hunger and thirst after righteousness. He is the bread of life. That's what it's all about. In his book, When I Don't Desire God, John Piper says this, Fasting reveals the measure of food's mastery over us. Or television, or computers, or whatever we submit to again and again to conceal the weakness of our hunger for God. How weak is your hunger for God? And how could that be strengthened by maybe some abstinence over these next 40 days? See, it's not an issue of rules, it's not an issue of regulations. It's not an issue of food or phone or fun. It's an issue of the heart. It's an issue of the heart. And Jesus nails it right after he talks about fasting. Right after this scripture about fasting, he says this three verses later in Matthew 6:19, "Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth." The engagements, the accumulation, where moths and vermin destroy where thieves break in and steal. Sometimes our abstention is is an abstention from accumulation, right? We accumulate and accumulate. Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. He goes on to say this, verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be. It's a heart issue. Eventually, all the things that we crowd out our lives with, if it's not eternal, if it's not something to do with our Heavenly Father, our Savior, our God, everything ends up in a pile of junk. And a lot of us have a lot of this laying around. But that pile of junk can be a calendar that's full too full. Maybe our calendar's too full and we can't get to a community group or a growth group or some way of, 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 of joining in. Maybe our, maybe our time's wasted in social media. You know, I, in 2018, uh, uh, Christianity Today magazine had an article on what people were giving up for Lent. And they had uh, the top 100 things that people were giving up so that they could abstain so that they could be enriched through the, in, through, through the interactions and, and through reaching out to, to God. And it's, I'm just going to get you the categ- top categories. There were top five categories by far. People were giving up as food. Second one was Technology. That technology included TV, radio, uh, social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all of those things that we rely on and think maybe we need. Number three was habits. There's a habit they have. Maybe it's a language habit. Maybe it's another habit. So I'm gonna fast this because I'm gonna try. You know, maybe, maybe taking it all at once seems too much, but I can do and start. The last, the last two, number four was smoking, drugs, and alcohol. And number five was relationships. Maybe there's a relationship that's keeping me from drawing close to the Lord. Maybe it's something, somebody I need to fast from. At least give it a try and start. It's a heart issue. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. One more question as we close. I asked you before, why? Why would you want to become poor? Why would you want to abstain? After hearing how by removing these things from our life, by emptying ourselves out of those things that are keeping us from receiving Christ, from keeping us from a dynamic prayer life, from keeping us from spending more time in the word, from keeping us from being involved in the good things of the gospel, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not give it a try? What do you have to lose? I know there's the three questions. <laughs> Why not? Why not give it a try? What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? We call that addition by subtraction sometimes, right? Get rid of something. Adds more capability. Adds more capacity to receive the things that God has for us. Paul says this is serious stuff. There's a prize out there. And I'm gonna gonna struggle, I'm gonna train myself, I'm I'm gonna do everything that I need to do so that I'm not disqualified from that prize. How willing are you? How willing are we to give up something to grow? To give up something to become more like Christ? How willing are we to do it? Paul would say, be careful, because if you don't, you may stumble, you may stumble, you may stumble. So one more question, and that question is what? What is it? Most of us have that one thing that you're thinking of right now, maybe. This This is what's keeping me from having that dynamic relationship with my Father, with my Lord and Savior. Maybe it's what I'm watching on TV. Maybe it's spending the whole night surfing on my iPad. Maybe it's listening to sports radio too much. Maybe it is something, a food that I just need to, to give up so I can take time, a meal. Maybe it's that lunch. You know, I would suggest if you want to start fasting and you start with a 24-hour fast, go from noon to noon. That way you can eat lunch and you only miss supper and Breakfast right? And then you can eat lunch after the 24 hours. It's a good way to start. It's a good way to start. It's so a you can take those two meals and I don't, does anybody really eat breakfast anyhow? <laughs> no, I know we're supposed to. Um, but, you know, we're not giving up that much. And then you can go into a full day fast if you try that. Or maybe it's fasting something else I haven't even mentioned. Maybe it's fasting complaining. Maybe it's fasting in what you watch on the computer. Maybe it's fasting something. Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. Jesus took it very seriously too. So did Paul. But you know what Jesus said in that same passage in Matthew chapter 5? He said, if you're trying to have a relationship with me or whatever, and, and you're with your Heavenly Father, if you're trying to live out your Christian life, and it's your right eye that's causing you to sin, Here's how seriously I would take that pluck out that eye. If it's your right hand, chop it off. That's how seriously Jesus took the practice of abstinence, of poverty, of doing without, of eliminating what's between us and God. I'm going to give you a minute, a minute to think. There's pens in the pews mostly, some of you would have them there. There's paper all over the place. Hopefully you have a program. I found that it helps to write down. Write down that one thing. And I know the scripture says, uh, you know, if you do it in public and everybody knows it, that's your reward. But I also have found that uh, accountability is good too. So I would say share it with somebody. What is it? And for how long are you going to do it? Are you going to do it intermittently? Is there something you're going to do once a week? Is there something you need just to go cold turkey? Is there something you need to, to partially fast or fully fast? Is there something you need to give up so that you can receive? That's the glorious part. Our abundance, our abundance comes through poverty. Receiving more of God comes through giving up the things that are between us, that are limiting how he can bless us. Have you thought of something? Earlier, I asked, why would you want to be poor? Why would you want to be poor in spirit? Well, I think Paul and Jesus and the Scriptures tells us that when we become poor, when we empty ourselves, that's when we're available to be filled. That's when he comes and he empowers us. And to those who are poor in spirit, belong the kingdom of heaven. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, this morning, we... uh, We admit, and I admit freely, of too much. Too much stuff, too much things, too much time wasted, too much. Lord, anything that's not of you is too much. So, Father, I pray that each one of us would empty our lives, be open to this practice of abstinence. Lord, to go out and and be involved in the things of growth in our lives and eliminate the things that inhibit that growth Lord we understand that this can only come through the power of your spirit Lord I understand and we understand that Lord this, this is not easy or we would all be doing it and we would all be perfect Christians we understand Lord that we fall short Lord help us encourage us through this Lord even if we blow it one day Lord, may you help us as we, as we go and, and, and try to grow closer to you. And Lord, may this challenge stick with us this week as we, Lord, maybe give up that one thing. Maybe it's a good thing, but it's not the best. Lord, maybe it's that thing that we struggled with for years. Lord, may, may you help us and encourage us, challenge us, Strengthen us through this. And Lord, as we serve you this next week, Lord, help us to consider seriously the prize that we're after, the value it has, and the small cost, really, to pay, and the rewards. Not in the, just in the next life, but the rewards in this life that come through following you, staying close to you, and opening our lives to be filled by your Spirit. Fill us this week. Use us. Glorify yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Go, serve the King.